What's up, folks? How's it going? This is episode 20 of the No Sleep Startup Podcast. I need an applause track. I'm going to put one in right there. <sighs> I'm here with the lovely Liz. Not as, not as always, but per the past three episodes. And um, yeah, we're moving along. Like I always, always say, we're moving right along, guys. Um, got a good listener base. Um, so I thought for the 20th episode, we mix it up a little bit. Um, no, I'm not bringing on a guest. You know, I'm not going to do that corny stuff. Not that that, sorry, that's not that corny, but <laughs> a lot of people do it. And I don't want to do it. You know, you got to arrange times. You set your hopes up that the person's going to be good. Then you interview them and you're like, you know, tell me about, um, you know, some struggles you face. And then they're like, well, I've uh, actively helped in 14 campaign, and then they just start talking about themselves like the suits do. Remember that episode? <laughs> I've done that. I've, I've been around people who um, act like that when they when they know they're being either like voice recorded or video recorded, and it's painful. It's painful. I've seen people not be able to put sentences together, like they say words that don't match. Anyways, so here was my thought. For this episode, you know, I frequent Reddit a lot. Um, I try to participate, try to offer advice to, you know, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, people in the web design community, people asking pricing and leadership questions, that sort of thing. And so I said, okay, well, you know, well, the other day I was on uh, the entrepreneur subreddit, and I always go to, I always sort by newest so I can, you know, I don't want to see the oversaturated saturated posts where people, like, th- here's what they do. They say, <laughs> they say, how I took my meager startup from four products to 10,000 products. Now I'm making $35,000 a month. Ask me anything. And people are like, uh, what, what product do you sell? And they're like, I can't say. <laughs> like, screw that guy, man. <laughs> All that stuff's fake. It's fake. So I figured I'd go to the new, well, I showed my wife, the lovely Liz, the, the, the new, like how to sort by new, and said, hey, find some questions you thought were cool that might make sense for me to answer or contemplate or completely get wrong, but <laughs> find some stuff that's going to help some people maybe. And so you spend some time, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. She's, mm-hmm, she says, because I want you to come up on the mic. Yes. Yeah, well, come up on the mic. No, okay. Confirmed. Okay. Come, okay. <laughs> and she uh, and she came up with some questions. So Accurate. you're gonna stop it. You're gonna, she's gonna rattle some off, and we're just gonna have fun with answering some questions. So fire away. What's the first question? Okay. Now these aren't questions to me. Keep in mind, these are questions someone asked to the world. Mm-hmm. So I'm just giving my two cents. I thought this was a good one for you to start with because you're an amazing storyteller. Okay. So somebody asked, how do I inspire others in an idea through storytelling? And then the note says, I frequently hear storytelling is the best way to sell an idea, but how exactly do we do this in context of a project? Hmm. It's a good question. Kind of a hard question. <laughs> no, it's a good question. Um, okay. 
obviously my, I would first, I would always start with asking questions, but they're not here to answer them. So I'd say, you know, are you selling the service? Are you selling the product? Um, like what market are you in? What's your demographic? It all depends. But I would say the best way to tell a story is through messaging. Okay. Um, let's say for instance, she runs a, I don't know, um, She's selling the product that women ages 40 to 60 would normally buy. Face well, cream. Face cream. Okay, face cream. Uh, 40 to 60, face cream. Um, the story would have to be in the, in the messaging in a sense that it, so that it catered to that demographic. Now, that's really broad. So let me give a better example. Um, the 40 to 60-year-old who... If, if a woman's 40 to 60 year, years old, they're more than likely worried about wrinkles. Mm -hmm. They're worried about losing their natural beauty. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they feel kind of unattractive maybe or that ju they're just aging, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe the story is, you know, not anti-aging but feeling beautiful again. And how do you put that in, into messaging? Well, you can, you can use, you know... Um, Obviously, in the, in the messaging and in the imagery, you can use older women who are who look happy and they look confident. Um, confident would be a major buzzword, maybe to use. Mm -hmm. Now, this is just the face cream example, but thinking of it in that sense, you have to think about who you're targeting, who who best suits the product you're selling, or if you're selling, let's say you're selling the service. Okay, you're doing um, I don't know. Uh, this is a hard one. You're doing car detailing. Okay, how do you sell a server? How, how do you tell a story there? Well, who's going to go in to get their car detailed? Who's going to spend a lot of money on getting their car detailed? Right. So the older guy, maybe he and he, and so I like to do this like um, kind of uh, thought uh, process when I'm going into another company or into some companies. It depends on who they are, but I like to come up with a buyer persona. So. A guy, uh, you know, let's say auto detailing. This guy, he frequents the country club. Uh, he's married for the second time. Kids by both marriage. And I'm not kidding. I really do this. He's got kids from both marriages. Um, he's a executive, obviously. He's worked his way up. He knows what hard work is worth. Um, so that's why he takes his car to the car dealing place because he appreciates the hard work that's being done but also feels like since he had to work so hard, he deserves for people to work hard for him. Okay, so there's a buyer persona. Now it's a lot easier to create messaging for that guy mm -hmm. opposed to just a broad spectrum of guys who might want their, or people who might want their car detailed. Does that make sense? Sounds like what you're saying is the storytelling is developed by thinking of who you're selling the product or service to. There you go. She did it. She summarized it. Bang. Look <laughs> at you. All right, okay. next question. Next question. Um... Anybody know anything about outsourcing? <laughs> That's and then the comment says, hi, I want to start a business with outsourcing, and I want to know how to get some company to hire me and my crew to do outsourcing. Oh, wow. Um, so their messaging needs to be <laughs> completely uh, about consulting. So outsource, outsource consulting. Um, and... You can really, if, like, if you can really start with yourself as a case study. Okay, so what I would do is I would, 
experiment with outsourcing um, companies like Outwork or Upwork and um, and come up with small projects and test out different outsourcers because that's going to give you an overview of how you need to test outsourcers, um, you know, how you need to pay them, how you need to interact with them. That's a huge thing because the language barrier is rough, you know, um, and the trial and error is a is a is a major component to this. Um, I think explaining to a company who wants to experiment with outsourcing that, hey, this will take time is a big thing. I remember when I first hired my, my first outsourcer, I went through maybe 12, no joke, 12 until I found the right one. And with each person, I realized, you know, okay, I need to look out for that with the next guy. I need to look out for that with the next guy. Um, I had guys, uh, I saw this one, uh, this one post this is hilarious. Um, in this Slack community I'm a part of, and they said they hired a guy on Upwork, and then the guy, um, <laughs> he put a, a program on his computer that would move his mouse vertically every five seconds, and so he was able to, like, say he worked 12 hours that day, when, but then when the guy looked at the screenshots, it was just the mouse just moving up and down on the same page. <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh because that's, that's really clever. smart. Yeah, it's clever, but that's the kind of stuff that people don't know about. They just think they're going to hire somebody who's going to go balls out and work mm-hmm. all day long for them, but they don't know stuff like that exists. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they also need to know that they need to know what they're asking for, so much so that they've exhausted all possibilities of there being an automated program or a, a program out there that automates all the work. Because they could hire somebody for $15 an hour, and that guy puts in the formula and just lets it run, and it does it all by itself. And, the, and you know, and mind you, it's, it's cool that the guy knows that, but is it quality work? Or is it, you know, that's kind of conniving? <laughs> no, is that the word? Not conniving. It's kind of like, um, it's, it's, as it's long sketchy. As, the work is, as long as the work that you're asking for to get done gets done correctly, but... If he's acting like he's customizing the work for you, right? Yeah, and they and will. He puts it through an automated system. Yeah, and they will. You know, they right. will. Um, so you're promoting your business. Now you're an outsourced consultant. That's what you are. That's what you are. <laughs> and you're gonna use your your uh, experience as case studies, and you're gonna be able to ask these or say these things to them that make them realize. Outsourcing is not finding someone who knows how to do the work and hiring them. It's a detailed, Mm -hmm. detailed process. Okay, that's it. Okay, next question. Is building an email list a viable business idea? And the sub note says, I see a lot of webinars and blogs about how building your your email list is a great business idea. The point is that you will sell to your subscribers your own products or affiliate products. What do you think? <laughs> you just answered your question. The, the thought is you sell your own products. Yeah, it's a good idea. Um, I'm not going to, I mean, I could, there are bad emails that you, you know, like I would go into looking at email, like, like behavioral theory and and messaging and A, B, Z, or A, B, C, D testing, you know, with different types of emails. But yes, if somebody buys from you, yes, yes, follow up with them for sure. Even if it's, 
hey, it's been 12 months since you bought your last product. How's it going? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of things you can, but that's a silly question. But it's not a silly question if it's just, if it's a non-techie person. You know, I get that. Right. But, but think about reaching out to your customers after they've bought or something from you is just, it's all about retention and creating um, customers who come back. So, yeah, it's a good mm-hmm. idea for sure. Okay. How can you fix your business's bad online reviews? And here's the subnote. Ooh. I recently reacquired my business after I sold it. The guy I sold it to didn't manage it properly. Long story short, he couldn't pay off distributors, fired key employees, and cash flow went negative. After getting the business back, I noticed online that in the year he owned the business, the reviews dropped below two stars. I've hired some new salesmen and technicians, so I'm expecting the quality of work and customer service to improve so we can start getting better reviews. Other than that, what can I do? What do some of y'all do that manages your company's brand? Okay. Um, My first question would be, did you initially build up the business to to a point where it got sold? If so, why would you not rebrand when you bought the business back? You've let this guy, or this guy's run it for, what did he say, two years? Mm-hmm. How long? Two years? In the year. In a year? And he had that, like, business practice, that, his business practices were that bad. Rebrand. Relaunch. And do what you did before. Because that guy's obviously an idiot, and I'm glad you bought it back from him. Because all those negative reviews are crap. Here's something, if, uh, you know, some people offer, um, uh, what's it called, uh, reputation management services and i think it's i think that's all crap to be honest and i might get some heat for that but reputation management come on why is that on a company like why is that the company's job that's the business owner's job right if you're doing bad business and you get bad reviews you're you're a bad business (laughs) or you're dealing with crazy customers Mm -hmm. who you shouldn't deal with you should be looking looking to get the customers you want but that's a side note um, yeah, rebrand, man. Cause you can't, like, okay. If you, if you can't rebrand, okay. Let's say your company is a staple in your town, your city, whatever. Um, I would make an effort to respond to these bad reviews. Um, I think responding to negative feedback in a positive way sometimes works, or I'd say a hundred percent of the time works better than not responding at all. Because um, at least it gives a person who see who who goes to look at the reviews a chance to see oh they really tried to make right of however this customer felt they were wronged, um, but I would rebrand for sure, and I would hustle like I did when I first started the company. Great suggestion. There we go. Um, next question: Can content creation build trustworthiness of a company? Hmm. Subnote: Does creating content and publishing it on a company's website as a blog? Offering free ebooks or creating niche-related videos really increase revenue. If yes, do you think it applies to any type of business? That's a very good, a good question. question. Um, so he mentioned or she mentioned specific types of content, and I'm gonna I'm gonna think I'm gonna talk about content in a broader, more broad spectrum. Um, I've considered content on a site everything. From the imagery to the messaging, uh, to the videos, to yes, the ebooks, to yes, the 
email marketing campaign. Like, all of that is content, okay? Um, and yes, yeah, absolutely. It benefits every every industry, this every single industry. And it, and it builds trustworthiness, and in, in this is how. If we're talking about eBooks, somebody is interested in what you do or your industry or whatnot, and they get something from you for free, that's a psychological thing that builds trust because you've given them something of value for free and in turn their brain or our people's brains will value that that company because oh they gave me this they worked they built something and they gave it to me so more than likely they're going to give you their business you know if they come back if they're really if they really want to purchase something um i can't think of an industry that that won't work for um even if you talk about like let's say oil and gas, you know, they've been solidified in a city for a hundred years, pumping oil. That's all they do. They just sell, they just pump oil. Everybody knows who they are. They don't depend on online sales at all. But if somebody mentions that company name and that somebody who hears it goes to their website, what if you had something up there like, hey, here's like, on, on our site, I have a capabilities brochure. All it shows is some cool ass work that I've done with cool ass people and they can download it it's it it's really not a it's not sales material it's just here's something more about us if you want to see it and i do think that builds trust because now that person has something sitting on their computer they didn't have to pay for they didn't necessarily ask for but this company thought that this would help me with my decision making mm -hmm. so they created it for me so that would be my answer yeah good very good <laughs> I'm glad it's good for you. <laughs> Come on, we gotta go. Snappy. Okay. okay. Uh, here's another one about content. Okay. Okay. How much content? Hey, actually, sorry. It's Can we stop saying content creation, guys? <laughs> I hate that word. Like we gotta make content. Let. Come on. Let's not. Let's not. Because I said that a few episodes ago, and I heard myself, and I was like, ugh. I was like, I got so much content for you guys. Dude, somebody should call me out on that. What other word? What, what other word? I'm making another podcast. <laughs> That's not because content oh, is so is a, a, general. You guys know every everything is filled with content. Even if you go to the Coca Cola website, go to the Coca Cola website right now. It's a freaking news site filled with content and categories. Mm. Come on, man. That's how everybody's trying to funnel traffic to their site. They're just content. Like the like a, a mess, like a somebody puked on every website on the web, and it's filled with just everything. <laughs> There's no more. I would say if you are making content, it better be targeted. That's the only kind of content you need to be making, and you need to be making content. I'm doing air quotes if you can't hear them. Hold on. Those are air quotes. <laughs> Those are air quotes. Make content for people who are looking for that for that type of content and it doesn't exist on the web and if it does make better content than the stuff that does but let's stop saying content creation okay continue sorry this question will really apply to what you just said how much content before going live <laughs> we're going live no here's the sub note oh i was wondering how much content i should have before going live with a specific project let's assume the end game is to sell a book which is currently in the works my plan was to drum up an audience via website and connected blog social media before I will have a running website, which will have to be updated with additional content. And I was wondering if it was important for me 
important to have more than, let's say, one blog post ready before pushing it into onto the audience. I was thinking that some people, while looking for answers, might visit it, but then think, well, not really much info here to look at. Or am I overthinking this? So, okay. So first of all, <clears throat> my first episode is called Just Ship It. Okay? I think you are overthinking it. I think we always overthink it. Always. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, secondly, wh like, what's your... Okay, I understand having a launch goal. Like, you want to launch and you want to launch big. Okay? You want to surprise people. You want when people come to your site, they're like, wow, man, this guy has, like, done this for a while. But listen, the end game should, should always be six, nine, twelve months down the line. Okay? You're going to have to write blogs. You're going to have to see if this is something you're passionate about for the long run, if this is your new company, okay? And it's going to be a slow growth. It's going to be. Like you, like you gain followers. You don't acquire followers immediately. You gain them, okay? So it's going to be a testing process. You're going to blog about this. You're going to blog about that. Some people are going to like this. Nobody's going to like that. So you're going to continue blogging about this. Does that make sense? So... Yes, have a Facebook page. Yes, have a blog or two. Yes, have pages of content that tell your story and have products and all that stuff. Have all that. Yes. But don't think it's inadequate. Just think of it as this is the first step of many. And hopefully within 12 months, I'm making, you know, what I want to make. I've recouped my monthly that I make at my job and I'm doing good. Okay. That's what I would say. Answer. Next. Um, what are the questions everyone should ask themselves before starting a business? And then in the sub note, they give what they say, my two cents. Do you have the money? If not the money, the knowledge. Can you sustain yourself while your business is not making money? Are you sure there is a market out there for your product or service? And then what do you think most startup owners are overlooking? Okay. So, first of all, their first two thoughts were about money, which don't don't do it. Um, for real, don't do it. If your goal is to make a buttload of money, don't start your own business. Because that's not going to come immediately. That's going to come years down the line. Okay, <clears throat> Because once you start making money, you're going to find out you have to spend just as much to continue making that. There's stuff you're going to have to buy to... Um, you know, to, to ship products or to maintain the customer, you know, the customer upkeep and all this stuff. You're going to, you're going to make less the more you make just starting out. Okay. So your first two questions, eh, wrong, moving on. <laughs> next question you said, or the, your next two. Can you sustain yourself while your business is not making any money? Okay. That's money. Next. Are you sure there is a market out there? For there okay. Are you sure service? there's a market? Okay. So I, I mentioned this before. 22 irrefutable laws of marketing. The first law of marketing is be first to a market. The second is be first to a category in that market, um, which is really cool because it allows you, or it has you, it starts, it starts you thinking about what type of spin you can put on your product. So there's a market for your product for sure, unless it's like, you know, <laughs> t-shirts. No, well, <laughs> don't get me started on t-shirts. Unless it's like, I don't know crazy you know rollerblades for mars you know when we get to mars in 20 years these are yeah. going to be coming handy yeah there's no market for that right now <laughs> um but yes there's a market for your product um 
And you have to look at the competition. Like, how long has the main seller of that product been in that space? How long have they dominated that space? Does their brand dominate that space? If so, look for another product. But the main thing that I would say is it doesn't really sound like you're passionate about anything but making money. And if you're not passionate about anything but making money, get away from me. Mm-hmm. For real. Get, go away. Far away. Because you got no drive. You got nothing, you're, you're just, okay, what's the next niche product I can sell that's going to, you know, really blow up on Amazon, and how do I figure out Amazon's algorithm and get, refer, you know, reviews and stuff like that, that, that type of stuff. You're going to spend years always looking for that next product, always looking for that next venture, but when you're really passionate about something, that bleeds through what yes. you're trying to do. It just does. You're going to, yeah, Liz is like, yes, yes, Lord. Great. <laughs> um, it's going to bleed through, man. And that's why, like, oh, I was, oh, so I just watched, um, you can go to Apple and look up Can't Stop, Won't Stop. It's the P. Diddy story. It's <laughs> a story about Bad Boy Records. Do you know how psychotic Puff Daddy is and was? Do you know how driven this man was to make something happen? The same with, um, what's it called? Uh, the Dr. Dre, Jimmy Iovine mm. thing. I uh, just the, watched the Defiant, the Defiant ones. ones. These guys were crazy, crazy passionate about what they wanted to do. They, they, even if they didn't really see it clearly, they just worked harder and they were just so involved with succeeding in the way that they wanted to succeed. It was like they had blinders on. You know, they put blinders on horses. That's why, because if you look left or right, if the horse looks left or right, it's going to fall or something like that. But they were so blinded by succeeding in the way they wanted to succeed that they they did it, you know. And they might have hurt some people along the way, and they might have done some screwed up stuff. But they weren't just saying, "I want to make a hit record." They were saying, "I want to make." If they had a hit record, they said, "I want to make like I'm making the next hit record." And after that, I'm making the next one. Nothing was good enough, right? So if you're not passionate about what you're selling, your product, if somebody calls you and says, why do you sell this? Like, how, how does this connect to you? You can't say it was a good niche. <laughs> you know? Think about that. Don't sell crap, man. That's all I, that's all I have to say. I, I can go on and on. That's great. Okay. I have built a product. How do you get my first users? Or how do I get my first users? I'm experienced in development design and have built a few different products. One mobile app and one box subscription business. Mm. What strategies have worked for you to get users and traffic? Okay. Um, so I've never built a software. I'm actually working on one right now. Um, but you have to meet people where they are. And I talked about this episode two or three. And it goes back to demographics. It goes back to people who would be interested in what you're making, right? And you have to meet them where they are. Where do they hang out online? Where do they hang out in the world? Like, be there. You know, run polls. Ask your friends. Hey, would you do something? Like, would you ever use something like this? Ask people in that space. Um, And then I would definitely set up a a beta release and have those users be the first users so you can get feedback and they feel like they're part of it. And then you give them six months free because they were part of the beta program or the beta launch, and um, that's how it would start. I'm running low on time. We've got time for one more question. What to do with the 80K follower personal Instagram account? 
Subnote. Probably going to hate me for this, but I'm looking for some advice. In March, I started an Instagram account with pictures um, of a girl with her permission, of course. I've, ad I've had experience growing accounts before. She wanted me to grow it for her. However, it blew up and has 80K followers now, and she doesn't even want it. So what do I, where do I go from here? I could completely change the account to something else, but I'd probably lose 20,000 followers doing that. My original research thought was to slowly fade in a different niche rather than just a cute girl and then eventually make the account solely about that new niche. Would it be best to do this or just keep the account as a personal one and use it to grow other accounts? Yeah, no, um, you're screwed. Um, <laughs> that's her account now. I would, uh, I would make a case study and I would start outreach and I would do outreach for other similar looking girls or just pretty girls who were in that same niche and sell my services. That's what I do. Because, dude, okay, first of all, how did, okay, what kind of, <laughs> did you get the date? Yes or no? Did you get a date with her? Are you engaged now? Is that why you're like, she doesn't even want all this work I did? No, no, she, he didn't get the date. And he's like, now she doesn't even want it. Mm-hmm. Man. Sorry, dude. Man, you know what, man? I'm sorry, man. Dang, you got her 80,000 followers. <laughs> yeah, do it again. Do it for someone else, man. That's your, that's your, go to a speed dating thing and be like, girl, you want 80K? <laughs> I can get you 80K. <laughs> Let me take pictures of you every day. No, but, um, no, don't change the niche. Um, just start over. Why don't you do something for you? Come on, man. You're probably a handsome dude, quirky, got some quirks. You're on Reddit. I know you have some quirks. Start your own. You know how to do it. You know how to hashtag. Make it about you, man. Get get over that hurt, okay? <laughs> she hurt you. You got to get over that hurt, bro. <laughs> Anyways, okay. That's episode 20. Woo! We are... Uh, we're doing good. <laughs> um, I hope this was kind of fun. Kind of off the beaten path. I had fun with the lovely Liz. Thank mm -hmm. you for the questions. You're I'll see you in 20 more episodes. And... Uh, Hope you guys liked it. If you did, listen to the next one. Uh, if not, don't. Don't listen to it. That'd be cool. Talk to you guys next time.